Have you ever struggled with fear in your life? Have you ever had the thought that I am not brave? Well, I'm here today to tell you that you are. Welcome to the Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Newland, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in here today. Each week, a friend and I get together and share stories of what makes them brave. So sit back, relax, enjoy your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and get ready for some engaging conversation. And remember, no matter what your story is, you are brave. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Brave Podcast. And happy April. How is it already April? It's blowing my mind that this year is flying by so fast. So I don't have a Brave Bites for you guys this week. Instead, I have the awesome Rashawn Copeland. Rashawn is an encourager. He is a social media phenomenon, and he uses that platform to minister to others. I absolutely love talking to him and was so encouraged after talking to him. And I have to say, once the mic was off, we kind of talked a little bit about like our perspective platforms, what we've been doing. And he encouraged me so much with the podcast. I love doing it. But there are times where even good things make you weary. And he gave me this wonderful, encouraging verse to not grow weary in doing the good things. And so I want to give you guys that reminder too. If you're doing something that God has called you and you're tired and you feel like, is this making a difference? Is what I'm doing making an impact? Remember that it is, even if you don't see the seeds of it right now, there are people out there that you are helping and that need your story. Your story is always important. So without further ado, I'm going to get into my interview with Rashawn Copeland. Awesome. The Brave Podcast, and I'm your host, Alexis Newland, and my guest today is Rashawn Copeland. So Rashawn, I'll have you introduce yourself and tell people why you're awesome. Alexis, so I'm pumped to be on your show first and foremost. Before I do anything, before I'm a writer or a minister, I'm a dad and a husband, and I enjoy all of that. I know it gets crazy at times, but I absolutely love leading my family and as I'm led by a good Heavenly Father. So that's where I am as far as where I call sort of my position in life right now. But I'm a minister who writes and a writer who preaches. I spend a lot of time out in the streets, people across the hall and across the street, wherever the Lord takes me, just loving on people and trying to do it better. Not near perfect, but trying to do that well. Okay, cool. All right. So Rashawn, how long have you been in ministry? What got you started? So ministry, that's a great question. It feels like the moment I was sort of born again and I gave my life to Christ, I sort of was launched into ministry, it felt like, because it happened out in L.A. Okay. I was at my lowest moment and God met me there. And literally from the time I left that house where I felt weighed down and things, yeah. I ended up going to this bus station. I started sharing Jesus 15 minutes after I gave my life to Christ. And it really went uh, over. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like only God could have did that because Lord knows I'm the last person who sh- who should be a Christian right now. But I'm thankful by God's grace. He calls us when we're weak, when we're lowly, and he brings us home. And I, I ended up traveling back home and I got planted in the church in Oklahoma here. And I just start ministering as I was ministered to, to others. And my ministry began to just get some traction when it comes to just uh, meeting people where they are. And here we go today. Awesome. So you said that you were the least likely person to become a Christian. Can you tell us how you got to know Christ? 
Yeah, for sure. So he was knocking on the door to my heart back in high school. Okay. And what's wild about that, I was so deeply involved in all the wrong stuff. I used to numb my pain with alcohol, with women, with marijuana, weed, drugs, whatever I could get to. And then on the side of that, I spent a lot of time listening to like Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent and yeah. Big Sean. I had all these crazy influences and I found myself one night just questioning everything. I was in a parking lot with a young lady and we're sitting in this parking lot and I had a lot of big things coming my way, like a scholarship to a major university. I had dreams of being in the NFL. Okay. I mean, life looked good. Yeah. I, as I was moving forward. But here's what's wild, you know, and that night as I'm talking to this young lady, her phone rings out of nowhere. And then me being that prideful, egotistical uh, high school football player, future college football star in my head, puffed up. I was like, I'm going to take this girl's phone. So I I reached over and took her phone. I knew it was a guy calling and I click hello. And uh, all of a sudden this guy was like, why are you with my girl? Why are you with my girl? So this uh, guy ends up provoking me to tell him where I was. And that was totally an unwise thing to do. I let him know where we were that night in a park after dark. Needless to say, 10 minutes later, as I'm, you know, getting back to what high school kids do in a car after dark, just flirting and talking, listening to music. All of a sudden, a van peels in 10 minutes later. Oh uh, five guys jump out oh. of the van. I ain't talking about burgers. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And they start walking towards us. And I pridefully get out of the car and I tell her just to chill, chill. I was pridefully getting out, but I'm fearful as well yeah I was I mean, like are you scared know. yeah I was very fearful I was wow. afraid I was scared I didn't know what was going to happen it was five dudes and you know of course I was that high school kid so I had a little bit of muscle and stuff yeah. but but I mean five guys come on now so as I'm walking towards them they're walking towards me I get about four or five feet away and then all of a sudden this guy reaches for his waistband and he pulls out a pistol oh my gosh <sighs> Oh, no. Like, I, I see this stuff in the movies. I didn't know I was going to be, you know, a victim of anything. Right. Yeah. Crazy. I couldn't foresee that. So I turn and I run and I slip and I fall. He stands over me. Boom. Boom. Two gunshots ring out. I began to scream out. They run and jump off in the van. He, they, they're, they're getting ready to pill out. I jump up and I'm scared they're going to finish me off, you know, and do, do, do. I'm, I'm scared that's going to happen. So oh my I, I dive at the passenger side of the car where the young lady was. I, I look up and the doors open and she's gone all of she's a sudden. Left. She's not in the car anymore, right? Crazy, wow. right? I look back over it and I see the headlights about to pill out. And I heard like it sounded to me like the car had the van had stopped that they were in. I thought they were just going to come over and, you know, finish me off, you know, leave no witnesses or oh in God. a way. But by the grace of God, they had left. I'm hearing the pitch dark. And as I'm in this pitch dark, I'm looking over. Where's the girl? I'm screaming out her name. I'm sweating. I'm weaving in and out of consciousness. My heart's racing. Uh, my palms are sweaty. Everything is going crazy right at this moment. And I just remember on this cold cement, I felt this warm blood going up my back. And from that moment, I knew I was 
I was shot. I was losing blood fast. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking there was several things that went through my mind in this dark moment of uh, pain in that valley. The main things that came to mind was one, the girl's not around anymore. My coaches aren't around anymore. My friends aren't here. My family members aren't here. My mama, my daddy, no one's here right now. So I had no hope but to look away from all the resources and turn to the source himself. I had to call out to the Lord that night. And thankfully, like David in the book of Psalms chapter 40, while I love David so much. David is awesome. Yes, he is phenomenal. But he said this, he said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry. He heard my cry and he picked me up out of the mud and mire, out of the slimy pit. He gave me a firm place to stand. And that's what God did for me that night. I cried out and he heard my cry. He did something unforgettable. It was a miracle. He sends a guy uh, who I'll call my angel today, my guardian angel or something. But he, he comes in in a truck. He picks me up. He throws me in and he races running red lights and everything to get me to the ER. And when I get in the ER, I've then lost so much blood. It was 20 minutes that ride. It felt like an eternity. And he gets me in that ER. The nurses were running up. They're saying, we got to get him in the gurney. Get me back there to the back to start working on me. And I just remember that guy had the white shirt full of blood. And I never seen him that night again. It was like a mystery to me. Like, who was that man? And to this day, I don't know where he is, but I'm so grateful God had used him as an instrument to really save me. uh, Yeah. So that was the the defining moment. That's the taste buds of my heart back on the one that gives, so I can taste and see who's good. He lifted my perspective back to the person of Jesus that night. But again, I drifted off. He didn't really, really like, uh, So I went off to L.A., but I'm sure we'll talk about that here soon a bit. But that was that first defining moment, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is quite a story. You almost lost your life. Yes, man. But God. But but God. God. Yeah. Wow. And so then you start following him. and You said you drifted off a bit. So what was that like? Oh, when I drifted off a bit. So after that, you know, what's crazy when we don't have someone discipling us, it's easy to drift away. I remember after that moment of coming to my senses, like I need God. I remember going home after being in the ER, the hospital for about um, a week and some change. It was only like a week and a half by the grace of God, thankfully. And I got home and I remember opening up that Bible. It was a Christian hospital. So uh, a lot of the nurses had gifted me with journals and Bibles and things like that and words of encouragement. But when I got into that Bible, I read something that I'll never forget during this season of my life. It was Proverbs nineteen twenty one, And it said, many are the plans of a man's heart, but mm-hmm. it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And it it startled me because I remember having many, many plans. I had so many things that I had lined out for my life, being a college football player, going to the NFL. And when it all was stripped from me, I didn't know what to do. When my resources died, I died with them. But God revived my hope whenever I realized that God has a greater purpose for me. And that was big for me. But here's the thing. 
without discipleship, again, it's dangerous and we're, we drift away. Yeah. I didn't have anybody in my circle at that point who was a follower of Christ, who was someone devoted to, to the Lord, worshiping him, praying and, and walking out the life. Uh, that we were called to do, live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Nobody was doing that in my circles. So I end up going back to the group that Psalms 1 tells us not to go back to. Psalms 1 said, blessed is he who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor take the way that sinners take, nor sit in the company of mockers, but blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord. Yeah, He will be prosperous, successful in all he does. I went the total opposite way. And again, I, I began to get around the, the girls again, and I would try to seek my validation by a woman or, you know, and even football, again, I got an opportunity to play sports again. I went to junior college. So I invested all my time in that to get my worth and identity. And then I found myself, again, being around guys because I wanted money in college. All we had was that pill grant and yeah. everything else we had to hustle and, and do whatever we needed to do to get that the money. And I began to get around guys who were selling drugs, like marijuana specifically, and I, I ran that life. But one day, again, what was amazing, I ended up signing to University of Kansas to play football Okay. after junior college. And I remember what was just amazing. It was a game changer for me. And I'm so blessed now that God, I look in retrospect thinking how much of a blessing it was to have my son even out of wetlock. I had a kid out of wetlock, okay. which probably saved me because... I was dating a young lady, and after going to the University of Kansas, I went to a Division two school. I made a decision just to go to a smaller school to take care of my, my kid. And I just remember, I was like, I'm done with the NFL dream. I'm done with all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm going to try to morally be correct. Okay. And I began to try to clean myself up from the outside, really fix myself from the outside, you know, the way I live where people can like see me and I'll be doing well. I'm an honorable type guy. I wanted people's approval from the outside. And I began to say, I'm approval point to my dad and everyone else that are male figures in my life. And I'm going to commission into the army as an army officer. I'm going to devote myself uh, because my dad was a military guy and he uh, was enlisted. And I said, if I can outdo my dad, the enlisted ranks is lower than the officer ranks in the military for those okay, who are yeah. listening. But I, I end up wanting to say, I'm going to pursue being an officer so I can get my dad's approval. And I actually did really well. I commissioned into the Army, went to Army Medical School. And from there, I was like, after I achieved that, and I'm taking care of my son, and I'm not with his mom anymore. I'm like, okay, what's next? Because out here in in uh, San Antonio, Texas, I'm, I'm going after it. But here's the thing. This can't be it. Discontentment really began to come in my heart in comparison because of social media. Yeah. I began to look at my cousin who was out in L.A. Come on now. Yeah. Ain't you out in L.A. right now? No, I'm in Fresno. Oh, Fresno. So like three hours away. Yeah. Nice. I went up to Yosemite National Park. A little bit during my time out there to oh. working with Nokia, doing some photo shoot stuff back in the day, which oh, is crazy. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, not too far from Fresno. I love Yosemite. From there. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. But 
Yeah, when I was at Army Medical School and I was getting towards the end, I found myself, I was acting a fool. I was going out with other military guys and we had money for the first time, making more than we ever made. We would go out to um, strip clubs and bars. We would just try to live that life. And I just remember looking on social media. I had a cousin who was in LA and he was doing really well for himself. His cousin played for the Dodgers and he was in movies like American Pie. And I was like, wow, look at the life my cousin living. He was the only black guy in American Pie. I'm like I trying like, to picture which one was it because I saw that movie. Yeah, his name is Robert Hayes. He was the only chocolate brother in that movie. So (laughs) that's funny. And then he was also in a movie called The Lucky One with Zac Efron. He was Zac Efron's best friend in a movie called The Lucky One, which was a Marine movie, which I really loved. But when I was seeing him on social media doing his thing, I was like, you know what? I'm discontent waking up at five in the morning every day with the military. I want to get out of here. I'm, I'm trying to be done with this. So I told my commander after Army Medical School, get me out of this. I want to just sign out and do part time. So I want to be a reservist. And he was like, "Okay, we can work something out. If that's what you want to do, you can we can make it happen. And I end up, you know, going out to L.A. And unbeknown to me, as I head out to the uh, land of broken dreams, Hollywood, the land of broken dreams, I go out there blindly uh, just trying to find my way in earn acceptance in those circles my cousin was in achieving well. So I began to become a viner. I was hanging out with YouTubers and my social media platforms began to explode, you know? And as I'm on this rocket ship of social media fame, and the more success came, the more miserable I started getting on the inside. And here's where I'm taking you, sister, and everyone listening. Whenever I got to this point, where I thought I was just riding this rocket ship of social media fame, it actually revealed to me um, how empty and sufficient I truly was because in everyone around me, everyone, we would have people coming off the plane in the private jet in their PJs, but yet they would talk about all the issues, all the stuff they had going on, even suicidal at some point, some of those people in LA. And I just, remember wrestling with those demons out there, the, the stuff that people didn't talk about. And as I'm sitting in my house one night, I, I mean, I had been hype man for Soldier Boy. I had a home in the valley, had a G-Wagon. Life was, was good, quote unquote, on the outside. But as I'm sitting here one night, I get a phone call from the young lady I'm dating. And this is where it went downhill. And I was like, it's over. She tells me she found out that I was communicating with another young lady. I was basically emotionally cheating on her and it went all bad from there. And when she was out, I was out as well because she was the only one that I thought I was going to marry the girl. I was in deeply in love with her. Okay. And I just remember that was so painful, that separation from her. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to take my life. Isn't that crazy? That's such a hard quickly? place to be. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was even, it was way deeper than a sense of rejection. It was something like I couldn't live without her. Breathe. Like I lost idolized the girl. Yeah. 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 It, it was suffocating me. But here's the thing. Days later, my boys who were envious of me, who were supposed to be my boys, I found out they were the one that told on me about that, which I should have been told on. I'm so glad all of it happened. But here's what's cool. 
whenever that night came to where I was going to take my life, I went over to the room and I went into the lockbox. I grabbed the pistol. I went down the hall and I'm walking down this hall. It felt like an eternity again. But as I got on my knees and I put the pistol in my mouth and I'm shaking and I'm, and I'm sweating and I put the pistol down, I pick it back up. I'm shaking and I'm sweating. I put the pistol down, I pick it back up. I'm shaking and I'm sweating. And I'm, I'm, I'm just scared out of my mind, my heart beating out of my chest again. It, it took me back to that moment where I was shot down, left for dead. But these two things came through my mind in that moment. Number one, if I were to shoot myself and if I were to die, I'm going to have to stand before this omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-seeing God who's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and he's loving, but he's also just and he's holy. Am I ready to meet my maker? Am I ready to stand before him living the life that I've lived? No, in my mind. But number two, here was the other thing I thought about. If I were to shoot myself and I were to live... I would have to go through that same pain I went through as a young 17-year-old boy left out on that cement to die that night. Am I ready to go through that pain again? And I was like, either way, no way, Jose. I don't want to go through either one of them. So what I did, I did what only I could do. I cried out to the Lord again. He met you there. This time, come on, sister, you right there. But here's (laughs) how. He met me there. And this is why I'm so thankful for you, Alexis, and what you do. I'm so thankful that you spend time engaging folks online, digitally, through podcasts, through your social media platforms. I'm so thankful that you lay your life down to encourage, equip others, and help them grow in their journey in Christ. Because if it wasn't for people like you, if it wasn't for the young lady named Genesis, who was off at Baylor University, who posted something at my darkest hour. This is what happened. The phone lit up on my bed. My phone lit up on my bed. I took the pistol. I set it down. This was after crying out to the Lord. Okay. And I pick up my phone. And God was phoning home. Come on, he was phoning me home. But this is what happened. The post said this that I read. Oh, how wide. How deep, how vast the love of God is. And nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. And as I was reading and reading, I began weeping and weeping. I unloaded my heavy soul that night to a God who cares, who knows me, who, who, who sees me. Wow. And he met me there. And I can't help but to open up my mouth whether it's on social media and share this love that's given so freely even when we didn't feel like we needed his love he he demonstrated it all while we're sinners christ died for us and he's always pouring out his love for you out there listening today guys and for alexis and he's here for us all that always and always yeah it's just amazing and just how he'll use people and use things to speak to us it's not always his audible voice he can use something as simple as a social media post to speak to your heart. You needed that right Come there. On. Exactly what you needed. Amen. Right? Because I didn't know what I needed. I just knew if I called out to God, he may answer if he's there. I mean, but I just didn't know. But he knew. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. So that was where it sort of like begun, but it even goes into a little bit more. And I'll give you this really quick because I think it's vital. Okay. 
when I went to sleep that night, I went to sleep, cried myself to sleep. Of course, you don't go from suicidal thoughts about to commit suicide to, to rainbows, roses, no. kittens, and puppies in a moment, right? If only so, it was that easy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I wrestled with God like Jacob that night. But here's the thing. He did give me a peace, an immense peace as I went to sleep. And I remember when I woke up about four in the morning, I had an utterance to look underneath the bed. I was like, it was so weird. Like I just felt compelled, spurred on to look underneath the bed. And I remember running over, turning on the light, running back to my bed, throwing the covers over my head and like, God, okay, I get it. You want me to look underneath the bed? And I'm questioning because I knew this home, my uh, agent sent me to this specific home and there would be actresses and actors and rappers, like you name it people on tours that would be in this house sometime that's under our agency. So it wasn't, it wasn't strange or uncommon for someone to leave stuff there. So look underneath the bed and there's a suitcase. I pull out this suitcase, never seen it before. I crack it open. And then I look in there, whole bunch of, it was, it was stinky clothes. It was a lot of trash. It felt like, but on top, of it. It was a treasure. It was a book. Guess what book it was? It was a Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> yes, that's the book for me. Yeah. I stand upon the word of God. Yes, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But check this wow. out. When I crack it open, I crack it open. I go to the red letters. The Jesus. They were the only ones standing out at that moment. Yeah. The red letters. And it says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. me." But here's what hit me head on like a semi truck. Oh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but then lose his soul? When I read that, I was done. It's like I give up. I threw myself at the foot of the cross. And I said, God, I surrender. I give it all to you. I'm done running from you, God. I'm done running from you. Change me. Give me a new heart. And from that moment, literally, he gave me new eyes to see. I didn't have that type type of language, but that's what I was, you know, trying to say to God, like, please, whatever's next type of idea. But literally, from that moment, it was like I was born again. I seen everything different. Wow. I, I, I walked differently. It felt like there was new desires in me. And I pack up. And yes, I know, sis. And this is what's crazy. I left that same day, right? I, I leave everything. I mean, besides my book bag and the that Bible. Matter of fact, the Bible's the number one stolen book in the world. I stole it that <laughs> night. I stole it that night. Whoever it was. I get on the city bus left everything there, get on the city bus, and I'm reading the Word of God like nonstop for like four hours on that city bus until it takes me downtown to the Greyhound station. And by this time, it's almost, well, by the time I actually get to the Greyhound station, it was like nighttime, and I'm just reading and reading it. Then I started ministering to people, homeless men. Right after you had this night of like complete despair and brokenness, you find God and you start ministering to other people that fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the frame of, you know, getting off the bus to getting uh, on that Greyhound was uh, several hours. But 
I ministered to my first person on that bus. And it was like 15 minutes later, I was ministering to someone off the bus somewhere. And it was just nonstop. So I just wanted to let you know, it was literally when I started reading about like sharing, it's our God's will for us to be ministers for the, of the gospel, preach the word to all creature. And I was reading all that stuff. And I was like, how can I preach your word or share your word? And I just started with my story, just in asking questions to people and like, hey, have you heard of Jesus and things like that? And here we go. I got on that Greyhound bus and and well, it took me 20 something hours back to Oklahoma City where I slept on my brother's floor in his dorm room or something for like three weeks as I got planted in the church and began to get discipled. And I never looked back. Never look back from there. Your story is so beautiful and there's so much hope Uh, in it. I love the fact that you, even after you have your dark night of the soul, you're able to minister to people right after that. I think some people kind of shy away. I know this for myself too. You think I don't have enough experience or I'm too broken. How can I minister to another person? And you just totally blew that myth out of the water that it doesn't matter. Jesus will equip you to be able to do it. Boom. We just got to open up our mouth. Matter of fact, he uses us more when we understand that we're unqualified. We totally can't do it in and of ourselves. He uses us. He displays his power. He demonstrates his love through us. It's by the power of God, not human eloquence, not what we can say or sort of conjure up. Paul said, literally, he works through our weaknesses. What did Paul say? It's by the grace of God that I am who I am. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's my favorite verse. It's Man. some, is it first, or is it second Corinthians? I think it's Corinthians, yeah. It's in Corinthians, I think it's like 12, 9, but I can't remember if it's the first or second one. I think it's the I second one. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I wish, love that. I wish, yeah. I got to get those numbers together, but yeah, I think it, that's it. So, so that's exciting. Oh. I look forward to hearing more about your story. I'm going to need to bring you on my show. Because you're a podcaster too. So when did you start podcasting? You're also on social media. So those are the other questions I had about you. One, Uh how can you be a light on social media, especially now when you get on some of these pages and it's just darkness, division, hatred? That's my first question. And second, what got you to starting your podcast? Okay, love it. I didn't necessarily have a plan to do all the podcasting and all this cool stuff on ministry or on online ministry. But here's one thing I, I really did have this conviction to just start sharing my story vulnerably. If you go to like my Twitter or any of my social media platforms, I go into detail like little sound bites of my story. And from there, when it got a response, people need to hear this. People need to know that my life was messy and it still can be messy. And there's messy areas always in my life somewhere that God is still growing me and maturing me. But whenever I seen the response, um, like, wow, I needed that today, or I was about to take my life, and I read this, that you went through that. Like, whenever I start seeing the impact like that and how we truly influence people, either for for God or for the enemy. I mean, yeah. there, there's no, it's either, it's black and white. Either yeah. you're for me or against me. Exactly. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, wow, it would be my great privilege to allow God to use me to bring people into his kingdom. And when this world is utterly shaken, be something where people can refuge and run to 
to point them to the savior. And I was like, this is what I live for. I want to bring people hope. This is a dark world uh, that's chaotic and messy that we need to show them the Messiah in a way. So, and not just by through our declaration, but by demonstration, like getting out and, and walking out, living out what we preach, even online, like there's no sense of using this social media megaphone and really just posting stuff if we're not going to live it. And that's why I'm accounted for. I got men of God here that I invite in to do life with me to make sure that I'm walking what I'm preaching and talking. And more importantly, the Holy Spirit, my helper, because that's the most important accountability you need is God. Availability too. (laughs) Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, so that's what spurs me on to do good works in in the name of the Lord online because he met me when I was in my darkest moment online and I want to go meet others there. Wow. So how long have you been doing your ministry from the time you get back to Oklahoma City? When did you start launching all of this? I actually started uh, ministry. Let me see. We started a young adult ministry right when I came into Christ, which was crazy. I was at a large church and I had a buddy who was discipling me who was starting the ministry, but I came in and served with him. Okay. But outside, I'm an evangelist at heart. So I didn't even consider that the type of ministry where I felt like I thrive in. I thrive around people who are the prostitutes, the homeless, the people who are in jail, people who are in the hospital on sick beds, because I know people like that will have an ear to hear mm-hmm. uh, a good news or uh, the gospel message. And even if they don't feel like hearing it or I don't feel like preaching it, I still got to do it because I'm called to do it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah. <laughs> So here's what blew my mind. This is almost what helped inspire the book, Start Where You Are. Whenever I was working in the county jail, that was the first job I had when I came back from L.A. And I was saved. That was the first job I had. So I ended up going to Oklahoma County Jail and I was a detention officer. But they assigned me to the holding tank down in the intake and I would have everyone and I think this is so important I I would have everyone from the Thunder cheerleader NBA cheerleader who just got a DUI and her life she feels is ruined I remember her like it was yesterday but then the same night I would cross a man who just committed a homicide a murder wow and I would ask them to Two different, well, the same question, I would get the same response. And here's what something I would say. I would say, hey, I want to share with you about Christ tonight. I want to share with you about God and how much he loves you. Have you ever even considered knowing him, getting to know the one who created you? I would ask something around that, those lines, but both of them will say the same thing. Do you see where I am right now? Yeah. God wouldn't want anything to do with me. Are you yeah. serious? What are you talking about? And I would tell them, and my heart is to tell them that, listen, uh, God didn't come for the perfect, those who have it all together. He came for those who are sick and need a doctor. And I would explain to them that they're not too far to be reached. They're not too broken to be fixed. They're not too unworthy to be loved. And at that point, I would get into the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross for them and how he's our perfection. He that knew no sin became sin, that we may become the righteousness of God 
And what we need to do is repent. And we need mm-hmm. to turn from our sins, place our faith in Jesus. And there, then from there, we can live that life that we never deserve to live. Yeah. Uh, because he died to death, we deserve to die. It would open up some amazing conversations, though. Yeah. What happened with those two? Did they, do you know if they became Christians? Were you able so, to kind of follow their stories after? Well, not the cheerleader. I, I think she lost her job because I've never seen her because I was actually looking for after that on the, the website, even at games. I've never seen her again at, in the Thunder uniform. However, the murder, the guy who was in there for murder, cool story, really quick. I'll share it quick as I can. I was uh, on the 12th floor. It's called disciplinary segregation. It's the jail within the jail. Okay. He ended up going to the eighth floor, he got in some trouble and they assigned him to the 12th floor, the jail within the jail. And I remember working up there one day and we kept our ongoing relationship because he was looking at life, of course, for murder. But this specific day, as I'm walking into the pod, I go over to where uh, he is. And at this point, I was already writing little notes and putting them underneath people's doors, words of encouragement, just things that I felt God would give me our scriptures. And I finally get to his and he was like, hey, cope, hey, cope. Hey, go to the middle of the pod and give me that book on the middle of the pod. And I remember walking over to the middle of the pod and I pick up this book and it's not the Bible, it's the Quran. And I couldn't help but to think like this guy, he's playing around, he's joking because I know he's not a religious man. Yeah. You know, and so I'm walking back towards, I'm like, okay, what's about to happen? And here's what he told me to do. He says, hand me the book and I go and I get the food cubby deal and I open it up with my key. Yeah. And as I open it up, here goes this hot pee he throws on me. He threw hot pee on me. Oh Ain't my that gosh. crazy? That is Boy. crazy. I could have spoken a tongue that needed no interpretation. I was so upset. <laughs> oh I was God, so I'd be so mad. <laughs> I was so upset. Oh. Uh, but check this out. After that had happened, I was like literally trying to hope be calm and in because everyone knew I was that that follower of Christ, that believer. Somehow God gave me the strength to not go cray cray. Yeah. But what I did. I was like, I'm going to get out of here as soon as possible. I was like, whatever in my head. And I walk, walking towards the door, they're laughing. You know, it was about a hundred inmates in there. Hey, wow. They were calling me like piss pod. And they were calling me all these funky names. He got you and things like that. And as I'm getting towards the door, they had already opened up the door. The pod officer had seen what happened. He opened up the door and I'm walking out and I'm upset with God at this point. I'm like, God, why would you allow this to happen? I'm yeah. over here. I'm not supposed to suffer for Christ. You, yeah. know, what, you know what I'm saying? I was acting like... <laughs> you forget that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but as I'm getting towards the elevator, I'm going down. I'm like, okay, I'm about to quit. I'm about to quit this job. Like, I'm, I'm done. And as I'm getting down at the first floor, I go down and I take the pee clothes off. Of course, I wasn't going to keep those on. Yeah. I cleaned up a little bit. And I, my supervisor's like, yo, Rashawn, we got to follow a report. And I was like, at this point, now nah, I'm done. I'm out. And I was literally walking out the door to leave. And as I'm going out there, my supervisor is following me. He's saying, no, come back, Rashawn. We'll take care of this. Don't worry. And I get in the car and I drive. Here's the thing. I get to the red light down the street from the jail and I'm sitting there and literally I couldn't help but to hear from the Lord tell me to go back. 
So in blind obedience, I'm like, okay, seriously, God, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back. So I went back, drove back to the parking lot, got out the car, went back in, talked to my supervisor, fill out some paperwork. And then I was like, God told me, rip it up. Don't report this guy. I, I I basically ripped it up, threw it away. And then I went upstairs. He told me to go back upstairs. And I'm like, okay, God, what do you need me to do? And when we get back up to the 12th floor, I go back in the pod. They're yelling. They're like, he's back. He's back. What do you want? You know, piss pod, this and that. And then I'm walking towards the cell. And as I get to the cell, he's looking at me and he's like, yo, you want some more? Why are you back? Why are you back? You want some more? And then all of a sudden I look him in his eyes and I said, dude, I love you. And God, Christ loves you so much. God sent his one and only son. And I tried to share the gospel with him. And then I also said, I don't know what happened to you in your life, but I just want you to know that God's never failed you, man, no matter what happened in your life. And I was trying to minister to him for a second. And then I had walked away. And as I'm walking away, I'm trying to hurry up and get out of there. And I did what I could. Lord, you use my little mouth. And then I'm pressing a button and I hear this, hey, Cope, hey, Cope, come back, come back. And I turn back around, and I walk back over there and I look into the window and tears are flooding down this man's Aww. face. Tears are flooding down this man's face. And I knew it had to be the power of God because what he said, he was like, first and foremost, ain't nobody told me they love me in a long time. Like I lost my mom as a young boy. Because my dad's in prison, I had to go into foster care, which I went through abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, all this stuff. And he began to say, but you telling me you love me after doing that, that did something with my heart. Tell me about this God you serve. And then we just started going through scripture. We did a Bible study for like six hours that night in that pod while I was in the window and I was talking through the crack of the door for hours in one thing, one scripture I took them to is what's the sacrifice that the Lord loves? And the Bible says a broken and a contrite heart. Wow. And I told him, God loves your heart right now, man. He loves the brokenness that you're, that you're, your brokenness and your openness right now that you freely showing before him and before me. And he, he'll bless you for that, man. That's that's where that's who Christ came for, the broken uh, people, the sinful people who know they need a savior. And I told him he was in a good place. So and then from there story and sis, and this what happened. He ends up beating his case by the grace of God. And now he's a preacher on the south side of Oklahoma City. So he's preaching the gospel. That is amazing. Look what God can do. Only God. Only God. To this day, uh, the ministry is called, uh, which is really cool, but it's called Banging for Christ. I can look that up. Yeah, yeah. Banging for Christ in Oklahoma City. They're doing it. Wow. Do all kinds of events. But that's just a quick story on. Well, that took a little bit. Story. I love that story. Praise God. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Holy God. So you mentioned that you have a book that start where you are. Yeah. So what led you to write this book and what is your overall message with it? Beautiful. So one, one thing that um, I always was challenged with is God didn't die for the perfect version of us. Like I always thought that I didn't have what it takes for God. From the standpoint, I thought I needed to be perfect. Yeah. But the thing is, I truly don't have what it takes 
for God. That's why he sent Jesus for me. The moment I realized that there is no darkness, that uh, the light of Christ can't overcome and there's no sort of pain that God can't use for his purpose, for, you know, my good and his glory, like that changed everything. And I think what I want someone to know out there today, like, and I share this all throughout my book with great vulnerability, like with sometimes it's brokenness. Brokenness is the place where God, he, he, he stops us. He halts us. He kills our progress. Uh, He makes us hit that dead end. So we can then see that in and of ourselves, we're utterly insufficient apart from him. So where if you're in a broken place today, that's exactly where God will meet you, not to keep you there, but to love you through it and help lead you out of it. And I think David was a great example. Like we we're talking about David um, after he had committed that, you know, heinous act with yeah. Sheba and kill. What blew my mind is just phenomenal words that he has said. He said, let these bones you have crushed rejoice. And what it reminds me of is how even God sometimes breaks us to save us. Mm-hmm. And I needed him throughout my life. to I needed him to break me in order to see my need to be sa- saved. And, and that's what he does sometimes. But he always breaks us to mend that brokenness. And I never thought like God would actually, you know, be the one breaking someone. I would think the enemy was something. God allows the enemy to do things uh, because of his sovereign hand yeah. is orchestrating something that is far greater than what anything the enemy could do on his on, on his own. So Amen. he's on a leash, basically. He really for, is. For our good and for God's glory. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rashawn, this has been an awesome interview. I'm so excited we got to chat today and get to hear your story. And I just am going to walk away from this feeling so encouraged that it doesn't matter my lack or my like feeling unqualified. God can do pretty much anything through me. So thank you. You've hey, encouraged man. me a lot today. Wow. So- thank you, sis. Alexis. Hey, I'm bringing you on my show. Okay. You got to get it figured out. I, yeah. I would love to have your story and everything on there. Definitely. I would love to. I'm still getting used to interviewing people. It's kind of weird to be on the other side, but it's fun too. You get to share who you are. Yeah. 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 My final question for you is when did you decide that you were brave? When did I decide that I was brave? I love that so much. When I got around other men of God who actually were following Christ and doing it in a way where they were courageous. I was able to follow them as they were following Christ. I became brave when I, it was modeled to me by true men of God who lived their life courageous for the gospel, for God. That's when I became brave, when I got to see it in the brother, see it in my brothers. And, and then I, I followed the way, you yeah. know, even in timidity, you know, at times, you know, God drew me out to be, become brave because we were saved to be brave. We're saved to be brave. I love that. That's going on a shirt. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. Where can people find you? All the things that you do, all the awesome things you do. So you, anyone can go to Rashawn Copeland on any platform, social media, or uh, start where you are book.com or Amazon start where you are uh, book. And that's pretty much where I'm at in my sort of heart and life has been poured out. 
into that book to encourage someone. But I would say above anything else, get that Bible, get into the word of God, get to know him and grow in him, discover your purpose and make a difference. I love it. And this is another question. If you could pick, there's so many good ones. What's your favorite verse that kind of that you stand on? Love it. So a verse that I stand on, I would have to say, I love, I love what, oh man, I got several in mind, but the one that I have to say is Isaiah. I want to say it's 26, four, it's somewhere in there, but it says this, it says, he will keep, well, he that keeps his mind set on thee or on on the Lord Mm -hmm. will be at perfect peace. I love this. What comes next? Because he trusts in him. He that keeps his mind on the Lord will be at perfect peace because he trusts in him. See, for me and for a lot of guys who are in quote unquote seminary will tell you quickly that 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 peace doesn't come in knowing God and that alone, because we can look in the scripture. It doesn't just come out of reading the Bible, period, but it comes in trusting what the Bible says. That's when perfect peace comes, not just knowing, but trusting what you know. Amen. And that's important. And we got to remember that if we want perfect peace, we got to trust in him. Thank you for that, Rashawn. Amen. All right. Thank you, Thank you so much for being on the show. It was awesome. This Can't wait. Great. Can't wait to bring it on all my social media platform. Guys, wasn't that an amazing interview? I loved being able to sit down and talk to Rashawn so much. I'm going to do something special for this one. I've heard some feedback from some of my friends and listeners saying that they like to see video. So I'm actually going to post the full interview video of this on my youtube page so look for alexis newland the brave podcast and the whole interview will be on my youtube page so you'll be able to actually see it there and listen i will put all that in the show notes for you to actually pick this up thank you so much for listening every week i appreciate it and i love so much from Rashawn's interview we are saved to be brave i want to put that on a shirt that is absolutely amazing next week we have another great guest for you her name is janet and she shares the story of finding out after her husband passed away that he was in the mafia it was amazing story just sitting down with her and despite these really hard things she went through she shows us how much god was still in those details and how god kind of brought her through this hard trial so that'll be the interview next week so i have been starting a new project it's called the creative collective so if you are creative and you are finding yourself wanting to dabble in business and you don't know a lot about it we've started a new little mastermind group you can follow us on facebook and you can also find us on instagram just look for creative collective clovis on instagram just friend me there i'll add you and then we promote any creative things that you're doing it's just a way to kind of give back to all of us creatives out there whether you're a podcaster an author an artist dancer musician I just want to be able to share your talent and it is brave to be creative and to put yourself out there. So I want to honor you. So look for the creative collective Clovis on Instagram. Find me there and I will promote your stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Here are my three ask. Ask number one is share the episode. If you find something that you're loving from the episode and you think it would benefit from another person to hear it, share it with a friend. Secondly, ratings. Ratings are so important for people to find the show and they also give me feedback of what you guys are loving and wanting to work on. 
And then finally, you can subscribe. If you go to www.braveoneministries.com, go to contact us, put your email in the page where you would contact us page and you'll get on the email list and then you'll get an episode the day early and then find out other cool things that we're doing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye.